Life Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. Assalamu alaikum and welcome back to the second hour of Life Beats with me, Sally Musa. Forming outlines, the Fikra Designer in Residence 2019 exhibition has just opened, featuring Layan Abbari, Mashal Al Shamari, Moila Nuan, and Sara Khalid. Eleonora Cervalera. Cervalera, I'm going to get that right, this incredible Italian name. She is the head of strategy and cultural programs at uh, Fikra. She is here along with three of the designers to take us through their work. Now, Leanne Altari explores the shifting definitions of patriotism and nationalism in the UAE. Mashal explores the documentation of women empowerment in Saudi Arabia. Moylin is researching informal financial transfer systems known as Hawala in the Middle East. And Sada's hyperlink is an alternative narrative emerging from Quranic literature. It's incredible, it's diverse. We're gonna be finding out more next here on Life Beats on Pulse95. Something to talk about. Life Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse95. The second edition of the Fikra Designer in Residence program, organized in partnership with MISC Art Institute, has just culminated in the opening of the Forming Outlines exhibition and throughout the three-month design residency program, the designers conducted research and delved into an experimental process of making and intellectual discourse relating to contemporary design practice and visual culture. We have with us here three of the four designers as well as Eleonora Chilvar... No, it's like, it's not happening. Eleonora, get to the mic and tell me how to pronounce your stunning name. Cervellera. Cervellera. There you go. Eleonora Chilvar... I'm not going to get... Just Eleonora, okay? (laughs) Eleonora, she is the head of strategy and cultural programs at Fikra. The irony is I got it right off air, but, you know, being on air, it just is not happening. But welcome to you and also uh, welcome to three of our designers who are here as well. We have uh, Sara Khalid joining us. We have Moila Nguyen and Mashal Al-Shimari. Welcome to all of you. Thank you. Thank you. you. So amazing to have you. Now, um, Eleonora, first tell us a little bit about Fikra because some people know Fikra Design Studio but actually this is just one arm of Fikra itself. Fikra meaning idea and it looks like you guys have a lot of ideas that you're implementing. Go ahead. Yes, so Fikra is a design-led educational platform. Um, It started off in 2006 um, as a graphic design studio uh, founded by Salim Al-Kasimi, uh, specializing in bilingual. Um, and in 2011, um, FICRA has started pursuing an investigation and a research arm called Afkar FICRA. And that one kind of set off the whole evolution of the company. And so from a, from a design studio, we have become a cultural agent in, in Sharjah and in the UAE and in the Middle East, where uh, basically we have turned uh, or we have pushed design um, 
forward from uh, literally just looking at project from projects to educate to an educational mm. platform and so FICRA as an organization has currently still the studio we still pursue our relationship with our clients and then we have FICRA campus that uh, has been established in December 2017 it's a design-led communal space we have a very exciting uh, year-long uh, program of activities we have the FICRA residency and from last year we, s- we have the FICRA graphic design biennial amazing amazing we can't forget the ministry of graphic design <laughs> that was just fantastic thank you i love the idea and, and it was brilliant the way that it was created and and um you know this was done in in charger's uh, the old charger bank Correct. building yes bank street it's just amazing what you guys charger did bank. with that just one of the many things that you do but you know we are here to talk about the fikra design residency so tell us a little bit more about that and and what the aims of it are Yes. So the residency is a three-month design program um, and it is aimed at international and local designers. Uh, It is at the second edition and basically um, it's an initiative whereby we want to uh, welcome um, designers to conduct research, design research and research design-led initiatives through uh, experimentation and through the process of making. It is very important to um, Identity to be that space where individuals can still uh, pursue and undertake research that is not just commercially led. Mm. And this is in line with the mission of FICRA itself, which is to push the boundary of design to identify ways in which we, through the lens of design, we uh, learn more and delve into what culture is, means the phenomenon around us, what influences our behavior, our way of conducting our lives, how we uh, how one discipline is evolving into another one and all these kind of elements are really portraying the the moment uh, that we live in and yeah to, pro- to produce also cultural um, content from this part of the world and to share it with the world. What's exciting about this is you've got actually four women who are part of this year's design residency, two who are are UAE based and two who are from Saudi, which is incredibly exciting because as we know, Saudi Arabia right now is um, uh, very much at the cultural forefront of what's going on in the Middle East. And we are excited for that. And I can't wait to hear from the designers themselves. Um, I'm going to start with Moi Lin, actually. Moi Lin, um, welcome to the show. Great to Hi. have you. <laughs> Hi. Um, because this is not what I expected um, from uh, a design residency, because uh, this is really interesting. You know, tell us your story, first of all. But, um, you know, with your project, you mm-hmm. were looking at um, financial transfer systems. And, yes. and this is not what I was expecting. So tell us a bit <laughs> about you, first of all. Uh, and and why this is what you decided to look at in your residency? So, part of my background, um, I was raised uh, with an Indian background, uh, though my name might imply something else. Um, and so, Hawala as a system has been around in India for a f- for many centuries. No one's sure when it started and how it started. And I think it's might go back as far as the historical trade routes go back. They're still excavating. For those who don't know what Hawala is, Mm -hmm. just describe it briefly for us. So Hawala, like you said, an informal transfer system is the economic 
diplomatic term for it, I would, I think. Um, Hawala is an underground financial exchange where uh, the concept is that the money never moves. So I would go to a vendor within my community and ask to send money to someone um, in the mountains or in a village, wherever. And within the day, the money is transferred. He would contact his relative or his middleman in that other area and the money is transferred on the day. The real transaction happens when these two vendors then communicate and settle larger transactions by accumulating many microtransactions, such as mine. Um, and so I looked at how the system originated and how it has evolved more than what it is right now. And yes, it's been a very insightful journey. There's been a lot of uh, unlearning and relearning of history that has happened. Um, I'd like to point out two academic researchers who wrote some really brilliant papers. One is a very basic IMF paper by El Korchi. And uh, it talks about Hundi, it talks about Hawala, it talks about the features of historical banking in comparison to modern banking today and how uh, maybe historical banking could offer some alternatives to modern banking's um, complexities within the third world countries. But also uh, M. Martin is a researcher at SOAS and she talks about the economic history of Hundi, um, which is the Indian term for Hawala. Um, specifically during the time of British colonization and the difficulties of defining a, a system that shifts from community to community depending on the needs of that community and the legal framework of it. Why was this such a, an important area of research for you? Um, partly I realized that it was still in use when demonetization in India happened so there was this big um, movement up with the media like creating this kind of I, I would say energy of like oh demonetization is happening I think it is something that India was due for because it hadn't changed its notes in a while mm. um, and so looking at how the system was still used today and a lot of people were like yeah I'm using the, I'm gonna I'm, these people are using Hawala it's still in use you're trying to get rid of a system that already exists and so I wondered, well, if it's still in use, why is it still in use? Um, how long is it in use for? Um, and why isn't modern banking looking towards that system, not as an enemy, but as, as a neighbor that um, offers a better or a certain specific feature to the consumer a better alternative mm. that actually works you know for, for specific groups of people for specific groups of people yeah. exactly so why not look at it as um yes exactly as an alternative i'm going to come back uh, in just a moment and, and kind of ask about because you created like a board game around mm -hmm. this and talk about um you know why you did that how that all works and and when yes. we come to see the exhibition how we interact with it and of course we are going to be moving on to Saudi, uh, to Sada and Mashal as well and talking about their amazing work too. There is so much more to come here on Life Beats on Pulse 95. Pulse 95. Life Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. 
talking design this hour as we look at the Fikra designer in residence program and some amazing work that is coming out of it. And uh, talking to Moylin, continuing the discussion with you, Moylin, all mm-hmm. about uh, alternative um, systems of money transfer or what we call hawala here in mm-hmm. the Middle East. Um, this is a big one. You actually, out of your research, you created a board game. So tell us about what you know what you created and what you're aiming to show people when they come and see the exhibition and they come to interact with your work i think um the board game as a concept came about through a series of critiques within fikra and i'm very glad that happened because i wasn't sure at that point in time how i wanted to emulate that concept to people um so monopoly is actually a very Uh, it's the first game that comes to mind when you think about money and exchange and it was actually invented by a woman um she w- she invented two board games one on capitalism and one on socialism and unfortunately the capitalism one took off and she was also cheated out of it very capitalistic <laughs> um and so i kind of wanted to create and a monopoly was initially created to educate people about how capitalism works why it's unhealthy um why it isn't fair and she wanted to instill unfairness in children and she figured children would automatically realize that but i don't think it came about the way she was expecting to i think to. greed rules greed when it comes rules, to yes. monopoly doesn't it yes it yeah. does and i wonder if that's based human instinct mm. <laughs> um but so i looked at a board game to kind of simulate trade and to recreate the gesture of trading among communities so the board game essentially has three types of communities and players can assume the identity of one community throughout the game mm. and then they get a certain number of goods and then they can trade those goods with each other it's easier to explain once you play it like like monopoly but again this game is a very early prototype so i'm still taking feedback on it i'm still researching still tweaking a few things yeah And what are you hoping for people to to get out of it once they play? I'm hoping that they understand um the position of the merchant when they play this game. There are a number of factors that have placed within this game um underground trade of various items. Um you can also trade sugar, salt and very um <coughs> regular livelihood products. Um and so it's humanizing trade it's not a machine that is beyond you it's not a ship there are people on these ships there are routes that have existed historically and they're not computer based and it's kind of humanizing con- the contact between uh the f- between in finance i guess it's, it's interesting it's yeah. finance is human because currently the way that things are it's everything is moving digitally mm-hmm. there is very little human interaction and understanding mm-hmm. between you as a consumer mm-hmm. and the merchant that you are buying from mm-hmm. and what that entails for that product to get to you and for that exchange to happen yes so i think that's a really amazing fantastic um so idea one, hopefully step one step hopefully one tentative step one fantastic um i can't wait to play the game now um mashal mashal al shamari welcome so good to have you as well 
Hello. Hello. Hi. <laughs> uh, one of our two uh, Saudi designers who are here as well. Um, Michelle, you are actually um, an architect and uh, somebody who's got a, a passion for design, art and social engagement as well. Um, and I love what you created because it's all about education and the empowerment of Saudi women. And who's empowering who? Because the, the conversation currently is all about trying to empower the Saudi woman. But you say actually it's the other way around. So tell us a bit more about your work. Yes. Uh, first of all, thank you for having us. Um, in my opinion, it's been, as you said, uh, woman empowerment has been said a lot in the media. And I don't think it's something new. Um, I think we need to look uh, about the the wording itself because uh, throughout history um, in Saudi or like the UAE when um, men used to go to the Khor and like go getting pearls and fishing who, like the women would manage the cities in Saudi when the men like go for trading traveling um, they are who are in charge for the household so it's not something new it's just we need to think about the wording about empowerment um, um, so yeah, and uh, I decided to focus on women education because um, we don't empower women, women in, empower nations in my opinion. Um, Absolutely. And they are like the women who, they are the ladies who take care of the children, raise them. Uh, men do also, but like women are um, more because of the time they spend with their children. Um, so what I did was looking um, um, women education in Saudi throughout 80 years uh, from my grandma generation my mom and me and then the current generation uh, looking at certain um, um, incidents and historical events that influenced um, the progress setbacks and what we have right now and uh, forming the current generation and the um, generation who are going to be in the future that there was so many challenges and that you are fortunate and you shouldn't take these things for granted and you need to understand them uh, reflect on what we have now maintain it and progress for the future um, because if we don't understand the history if we don't um, do these reflection elements not just education everything that's happening in saudi um we don't want like something any we want to progress we don't want like some incidents or faults you know like we don't want to like you know how the curve go up we don't want to go down no we want to go continue going up yeah because um that's really important yeah um but i'm happy with everything's happening in saudi alhamdulillah yani, but um, it's just too fast, so it's really important to reflect. Do you feel like it's too fast? Yes. The, the changes that are going on? Yes. Wow. Um, I love them. I'm so happy with them. It's just um, we need to reflect on them. Well, why? Okay, this is really interesting, and, and I'd love to bring you, Sarah, into the conversation as well, uh, obviously. You yourself being Saudi too, we can't leave you out of this conversation. <laughs> yeah, sure. um, you know, I feel like Saudi Arabia is one of those countries that has been most talked about and yet we don't talk enough to actual Saudis and Saudi women and understand from you guys mm -hmm. or you ladies exactly what that experience is like you know what is it like being there what is it like seeing the changes what does that mean to you what do you foresee in the future so let's kind of maybe start from the beginning a little bit and just see you know what is it like for you 
uh, Sara, as mm-hmm. um, a Saudi woman who sees everybody else talking about you, but never to you never as to well. Me. That, that's for sure. Um, uh, I think th- uh, when I go into into the media, I feel like a, uh, whatever is is there, like online, is a little bit intensified. Uh, and I and I feel isolated from the conversation. I don't feel like it's it even represents me as uh, a Saudi mo- woman or a woman in here or like even when they talk, let's say uh, uh, about specific things uh, about the Saudi culture, let's say hijab or niqab or whatever. Uh, I feel very isolated personally. Uh, I don't think these narratives, uh, let's say, uh, speak about me or talk about me uh, as an individual or as a community. And actually, this this kind of conversation um, shaped my um, uh, how can I say it? Uh, shaped my let's say career path. So I'm 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 like after I graduated from graphic design and multimedia, I'm I'm currently wor- uh, yani looking intensively on social media and how it's telling the stories. So th- this yani this point I will take through um, uh, maybe if uh, when when it's my turn to talk about my project, like how these stories affected like my path uh, taking uh, the Quranic structure and everything like because I was like very annoyed if everything was on the social media. Uh, um, I felt like this story is like um, uh, there's like I have this void when I go into social media. Uh, nothing about it like speaks about me or to me. I don't have this like c- kind of conversation. So I wanted to create a, uh, a different alternative um, narrative, let's say. So yeah, from there it started. Like my project is kind of influenced by all this like going back into the feminism. feminism uh, Feminism, like a discourse and like social media discourse. Yes, it's so vital. It's it's, you know, at the same time as kind of um, opening up the conversation, social yes. media can also be very isolating at the same time mm-hmm. when you don't, you know, see those narratives that you live every day yes. being told. And that's when you need to step up and just say, actually, no, it's yeah. like this. Yeah, it is. It's it's different. It, um, maybe I have something else to offer. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe I don't look at it the way you do. Yani. It's, uh, sometimes, like, uh, I won't say, like, I'm against anything, like, regarding feminism or regarding anything that has to do with the Saudi women in particular. But I, th- I think... Um, uh, it's broader than that. I think, yes. yeah, the context is broader. I think we need to look at uh, look at it uh, from, let's say, contextual perspective. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, and not just like, uh, any point out to certain like uh, uh, out of context uh, topics. We're going to come back in just a moment yeah, to, sure. and to continue a, a fascinating conversation with our designers here, uh, who are part of the Fikra. Uh, designer in residence program and uh, the incredible work that they have produced and all of the uh, things the powerful messages that they are conveying through their work lots more to come here on life beats pulse 95 life beats with sally musa only on pulse 95 talking design and talking research and uh, changing narratives around design and around uh, cultural narratives as well uh, particularly through fikra this is um quite amazing uh, and we're going to be continuing that conversation 
with our designers here, Mashal and, and, and Sarah, um, we were talking a little bit about your experience of, of what it's like, in fact, to be young Saudi women in this day and age. What does that mean, particularly as you're being spoken about and not spoken to? And, um, you know, Mashal, I want to get your ideas around that as well and, and how that feels. Um, spoken about in the media, mm. you mean? Um, and the misconceptions that you might be seeing around what it's like to be a Saudi woman. Um, in Saudi, in the GCC, I think we understand each other. I think it's clear. It's just like um, in the States or in Europe. Because you um, studied in the US. Yes, I studied. So, so what was that like? Um, yeah, a lot of them thought that... Um, I think everywhere there is people who... Um, control women and people who actually support women it doesn't matter where you are but in um, the states where I studied and worked um, a lot of them thought that we don't have freedom of like speech within like our families and mm -hmm. our cousins um, and then uh, within the society also that uh, women are so opp uh, oppressed um, it's in my opinion, it's everywhere. It's just the media and the states kind of um, bubble it up. They love to sensationalize. Yes, uh, but as um, I had friends, co-workers, and a lot of people who I interacted with, uh, they understand that it's that's not really mm. the truth. It, uh, like, not everyone in Saudi have that, you know? Yeah. We need to understand, yes, there's people who are, um, like, had that but not everyone you know it's like anywhere else um it's just i think having the conversation having the understanding explaining what we have uh, there is ladies who are leaders they are ladies who are doing businesses they are lady uh, ladies who are actually um in charge of household without having a man um and right now with uh, king salman and um his royal highness uh, prince Mohammed, they have so many like uh, legal things they actually um now you can actually travel without having um your passport uh, passport uh, signed and um also within the legal system there's um things that you had before to get consent yeah. from your husband or dad or uh, even if you don't have these, it would be your uncle or your brother. Uh, now it's no, it's um, they're making it easier for females to have um, their own saying and things. And it's really good. Uh, and I'm so happy about that. Uh, but the thing is, I think it would be good to have um, communication discussions, uh, not just um, Yanni, with, with you and you as, you know, like they come and meet the people and actually interview people not like they select okay i'm gonna because sometimes it's actually they structure in a way where um the questions lead to what they want it's not what is the truth um but in the end there's two part of the story there's two face of everything it's just people need to be aware more understand um oh is that true we need to actually investigate and know, know more yeah um so it's just Unfortunately, uh, a lot of the TV channels, a lot of the radio stations, they just look at one incident or one thing that's happening, but um, they need to look at the bigger picture. And always, uh, it's a saying I always say, like, I embrace it, get the benefit of the doubt. You're right. Um, and any topic, not just like women, mm. uh, any topics, anything. Always, like, search and hear from both sides. Don't hear from one side. 
Um, so yeah. And this is why your your work is so I- important. You know, Thank you. Um, talking about the Declaration of Women education yes. this is what you produced yes. uh, for for your residency yeah. so talk to us about the experience when somebody comes to the exhibition what they're going to see of your work and how they interact with it sure um so i have a description about what the project in general mm-hmm. and then a timeline um a detailed da- timeline and then uh, specific um, dates like the when kinks are declared uh, education uh, some of the resistance within the community and then um, how there was a delay in education because um, people within society so there is element of society economy uh, religion politics and geography that influenced um the delay of women, you're going to see that in the timeline. And um, and then later on when uh, education started and then how is it controlled, there's two entities for education in Saudi. It was one con- uh, for female and one uh, for male. Mm. Uh, and in 2002, it became one. So it's really um, interesting because I don't think there are other... I searched, but I think I'm going to... Con- that's a beautiful thing about the residency that you, you're going to continue exploring and finding things but I haven't found yet another example that had two um, entities uh, that like almost two ministries of education and then from that um, um, in 2005 uh, when King Abdullah um, did the uh, scholarships and there was also uh, something that I didn't mention in the timeline, but I'm going to mention the publication that in the 70s there was also p- uh, scholarship to the states in London, but it was um, also um, so men would do engineering and different sector, but female would be literature because one of my aunts were in these. And then, uh, so yeah, after that, going back to after the scholarships, and now you have uh, 36 universities that women can attend, even the um, Petroleum University, you can register and attend. So um, thank to God, like, we're really doing well. So for now, like the end of the timeline, uh, so you have actually um, 3D printed models that represent the significant um, timelines that I picked. And um, they are represent, so they have wording uh, titles for them. So you have declaration um, and then resistance. Um, and then uh, the two, uh, like, extent, like more resistance and then you have hope. And then you have, at the end, you have the reflection. I didn't put it in the timeline, but you have a reflection. And then the reflection is related to the title of future. So what is future? So it's the combination of all the timeline, the models that I did, is we have to understand, uh, observe, um, to proceed to the future. Because uh, if you just like not uh, any, we, the thing about um, uh, in Saudi that um, from before the eight seventies and the sixties, a lot of the documents. Um, or not documented. Most of the things were verbal, so we don't have really well documentation. Right. For, so for me, um, this research, um, one of the important things is that we need to do documentation for everything, for our grandparents and the people who are above 70s. We need to sit with them, talk to them, uh, document these things because it's really rich our culture. So, um, so yeah, that's why I did like woman education that's amazing I mean you you know there are the things that you um, 
that you imagine would be in something like that. But I think there's a lot in there that a lot of us don't know. Yes. And um, don't realize. Yeah. And it's just incredible to see that. Yes. The, what you've put together. Yeah, definitely. And I'm planning to continue um, looking at different aspects of a woman as well. I want to do a children's story about women education, inshallah. Uh, even if it takes me three years. <laughs> sorry? You have to come back on the show and Inshallah. talk about it. As well, like I want to do a short movie for me, my mom, and grandma. Uh, like the three hands and like a sh- uh, just like a short three movie. Three generations. Three generations, yes. Just this is stuff we don't see. We haven't seen yeah. and we're, I'm so excited for. Amazing, amazing work. Um, Mashal, that's just wonderful. Um, Sara, I'm going to come back to you in just a moment. Al Khait Al Nadam, Hyperlink. Um, yes. This is really fascinating work. We're going to come back and uh, talk about that here on Life Beats on Pulse 95. Pulse. You're, You're listening, listening to Pulse 95. Pulse 95. Life Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. We need to come to uh, Sada now talking about Akhayt uh, Anadam. This is a really interesting hyperlink, Sara. So talk to us about this because um, from what I, the little that I know, it's mm-hmm. an alternative narrative emerging from Quranic literature. So tell us a bit about this, how you came up with it, what it all signifies. Okay, so let's say it started me uh, being on Twitter being very annoyed from like all these narratives and stories being told for me and not to me, as we said. So uh, uh, it started uh, with, well, yani, the Quran is like the main book, like in our culture and our uh, society and even yani, me as an Arab or as a Muslim. So, um, the th- but the thing is, um, I think we, we have lost uh, this kind of narrative like uh, we still see the word in the lenses of Quran or the lenses of Islam that's the thing uh, when, when we when we talk about like the Saudi community we forget kind of that it's it's also a Muslim community but what does Islam mean what does like the book says what does what what how the Quran is viewing the world let's say so that's the background or like this is the ideation um, l- let me just talk a little bit about the title hyperlink well hyperlink is like uh, as we know it, like the link we click when we surf the web, that's clear. Yeah. Uh, Al-Khayt in Arabic, uh, uh, literally it, it means the composing thread. Uh, it's a critical term used in uh, uh, Arabic studies and poet, uh, Arabic poetry studies as well. Uh, it means like, what is that, that meaning that, uh, that starts with the first line of a poem and continues throughout the whole poem? Mm-hmm. It's like kind of a hidden meaning. It is a hyperlink kind of so uh, I was inspired by that and I wanted to uh, embody this concept uh, and link uh, modern let's say our this this era we are living in the discourse here uh, and link it to the tradition to the uh, previous discourse uh, so it started with me analyzing like the Quranic literature is uh, reading uh, I mean, the Quran is very fascinating in the way it tells a story. It's not very chronological, uh, yani, uh, in comparison, let's say, to the biblical stories. Or yeah. So that was the main thing. So we have like this um, mathematics uh, kind of narrative, 
like uh, the shifting, the logic of it, like the shifting from meaning to meaning, the wording, the specification of the order of the uh, uh, in a sentence. And we also have this uh, poetic like beauty. So like, you have this technicality and you have this beauty. Uh, well, my inspiration was like I, ca- I wanted like to code this narrative, like to build like a structure uh, with it. But then I faced the, uh, a problem that the Arabic logic, let's say Arabic as a language, uh, is very different than the programming languages we have now. It's not just like because uh, we are using like uh, Latin letters or whatever encoding, but it's like the whole structure of the data sets. It's it's different in logic, so that's very technical. Right. So I faced a problem there. I left it. Uh, uh, I was like, okay, let me just look into the poetic kind of it. How can I just conceptualize the technicality? So basically, uh, I started assembling a narrative of my journey throughout like these uh, three months, uh, three months. Um, uh, I made a kind of uh, an experience and, it, and it's, it's, it's like I had a little exhibition of my own. Uh, it had like three pieces. So the first piece is Al Fasil. It's like a 3D little camel. Uh, Al-Fasil uh, in Arab, uh, literally it means the separated, but in a context, uh, it means the the child of the camel separated from his mother when he's mm-hmm. old enough, but he's like still longing for her and yearning for her, and he wants to go back to her, and he's still remembering remembering her, and uh, camels and and. Uh, as a symbol, they are like very interesting, like in the Arabic culture. Uh, well, camels, they are very emotional. Like, I mean, they look tough and everything, but they are very emotional. Two, uh, they are everywhere in Arabic uh, poetry. Uh, three, um, they are actually mentioned in the Quran. Uh, the God was questioning the Jahiliya people. Don't you look at the camels? Uh, uh, so this is the symbol. This is me. This is me separated from this the whole culture, from the whole tradition, from the text. Uh, me missing my mother, missing my let's say mythology, missing my narrative, missing like where I came from. So this is the first part. Uh, the second part was like the descriptions of the mother, like uh, how should the mother look, or, or how does she speak, or how does she um, uh, expresses herself. This part was like the manifesto. I wrote a manifesto, I printed it, uh, it was like uh, even pr- printed beautifully uh, on the floor. It was like the, uh, the pathway to, the, to finding the mother. Um, that also was inspired by the, uh, uh, by the Quran uh, and uh, Arabic uh, rhetoric or al-Balagh al-Arabiya, yeah, the Arabic studies. The last piece I had like was the desert um, where like the hyperlink is missing. So it's like me, Al-Fasil, missing my mother, but I have her description, but I'm still looking for her. So yes, that's pretty much it, I wow. think. That yes. is really deep and really amazing. <laughs> and and very this much. reflects your own personal experience. Well, that's the thing, Yani. Um, uh, there's a line in my description when I, when I say, this is not a, I, Yani, I'm, I'm trying to uh, being 
make the work impersonal as much as I can. Mm. I want to create a model. I don't want to just express express myself. This is a model that I want people. I don't like. Um, yeah, it's a model kind of um, to look to look to to look up to. Uh, as I said, because I wanted like to create that coding thing, that structure. So, um, but this this work came in very personal. But my. Um, my direction is not. It's not. I, I don't want to continue as a personal artist, like or expressing my journey. I'm trying more to uh, create uh, an embodiment of how can we bring the text in, bring the tradition in. Just like uh, a brief comparison, uh, I was looking into uh, a museum or a gallery. I think it was about Lugha Arabiya, the Arabic language uh, in Saudi. When they put like uh, the Arabic text or the uh, the poems, uh, to be very exact, uh, the aesthetic was very rough, like using uh, rough material, rough uh, mm. stones, and everything was like curved and everything. But I mean, why do we have to put the text there? Like we are, we present the text in that era. Um, so what I did like in, in this exhibition, I like I tried to shift like even the aesthetic. I used very technical aesthetic, like I used code right. as an aesthetic to like the text still can function here. Yeah, yes. I, I saw that. And it's just like it's just suddenly bringing it into a very contemporary yes. uh, place, That's which what is I'm trying to where we are right now mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. the digital space. Yes, most in the digital space. Most of us live our lives in the digital space exactly. and you're bringing all of that, all of that history history that understanding that experience and placing it there yes and it's kind of suddenly you know it's we're, you're kind of confronted <sighs> by it in a <laughs> yes. very interesting way yes. and you have yeah. to negotiate that relationship that you have with it it's fascinating really Thank amazing so stuff before we end off um eleonora we have to talk about the fact that this exhibition is happening at Fikra. For those who haven't visited Fikra, first of all you have to tell us exactly where it is so that we can get down there and see this it's located, um, <coughs> sorry, at Jibka building, um, just after Al Nahda bridge. Mm -hmm. So at the very beginning of Sharjah, it's 15 minutes from Trade Center, so very accessible. You have to go and visit the, this exhibition. Uh, we just talked to three of the artists doing phenomenal work. But so this is also traveling to Saudi. Correct. Amazing. So the exhibition uh, freshly opened yesterday. Yes. It's going to be at Fikra campus for a couple of months up until mid-February. And then we're going to take the work in Riyadh at MISC um, Art Institute for a couple of months. Yeah, talk again. to us a little bit about that partnership that happened with the MISC Institute yeah. in Riyadh. Why MISC? Well, um, it is an amazing collaboration. It's really, we share the same strategic objectives of what we do. And they are pursuing a very similar agenda to, to FICRA, uh, which is uh, the cultural uh, production yeah. um, or grassroots initiatives. And they want to uh, give space and provide opportunities for education uh, to designers and artists. And it is exactly what we're doing. So the partnership fits very well and it's really such a smooth relationship relationship and so we're really proud and pleased that this has happened um, so 
they will be receiving the exhibition and they will putting up there and there will also be the chance to launch our publication of the of the whole residency um, so the uh, the journey of the four uh, designers will be documented in a way that uh, is not just about the final work is not just um, about uh, the different phases is about their inspirations their interests what allow them to uh, finalize their work it's also about including uh, essays from academics and researchers and advocates uh, just to provide this opportunity with a little bit more of academic content as well we we believe it is really important to um, really share the value of design-led research and research-led design is something that we're very passionate about and it's a continuous work because this is starting whole new conversations and we're you know amazingly excited for it it's fantastic and these three designers the four in fact who are part of the residency um amazing amazing stuff and so diverse each one is presenting something uh new and everybody needs to be part of it and everybody needs to come over and see it yeah and one of the things that we have always um focused on it i think it's one of the pillars of the rest of eco residency is the complementarity between the designers and this was one of the criteria for selection it was not just the the proposal received by the designers and the and the cutting edge project and topic of reinvestigation was also the complementarity of all of them together it is such a learning experience that we want to um, really we want to invest in and so the way that the four uh, designers can work learn from each other exchange the knowledge and share what they've experienced is as importantly crucial well we want to thank you all so much for being here it's been phenomenal this is pulse 95 tune in live every weekday from 10 a.m.